On an especially dark night in January of 1803, excise officer Francis Smith sat at the Black Lion Pub in Hammersmith, London. He sat and drank and talked and talked and drank some more with other patrons. The topic of conversation was something that was terrorizing local residents. You see, for the last few weeks, there were multiple reports of a ghost scaring and even hurting the people of Hammersmith. Francis Smith was going to find the Hammersmith ghost, catch him, and save the people of the area from its grips. Hello, welcome back to Murder and Mediumship. I'm your host, Catherine, and I am pumped to tell you that my calendar is back on and booking up for September and October. What a wild summer of transitions. And as we move into the fall, I am really excited to get back to business as usual. That being said, I do want to remind you that this month's Patreon exclusive episode is our live episode where I tell the story and you get to ask questions that I'll answer psychically or as a medium or as both. The episodes are exclusive to the tier Investigate, and this month we're connecting to Jeffrey Epstein. Ooh, and I'm I'm itching for a controversial interview, and this is who we've chosen. By we, I kind of sort of mostly mean me this time, but it will only be available to patrons. I am nervous to even record this because it just feels icky. And it also feels like I'm really hoping we get some good juicy information out of it. However, as we know, or maybe you don't, spirit doesn't have to show up if spirit doesn't want to. However, that is why we also have the ability to tap in psychically. So we're either talking to Jeffrey Epstein or feeling into what happened. And I am super excited for this episode. Second off. I am adding another segment to the show, one that all of you can contribute to. So if you have any experiences as an intuitive with hauntings or supernatural um, incidents, even if you're not someone who is connected to spirit in a more um, intense way, excuse my watch hitting everything. (laughs) If you've had unexplainable... Second off, I'm adding another segment to the show. One that all of you can contribute to. So if you have any experiences as an intuitive with hauntings or spirit whatsoever, anything supernatural that you've experienced, maybe you're not someone who believes in ghosts and the afterlife and all of that, but something weird has happened to you, something unexplainable or with true crime in real life, I want to hear about them. Either send a message to my Instagram, katherine.ann.intuitive, or email me at katherinegalvin at katherineannintuitive.com. Of course, I will link both in the show notes, but send your story, your first name, and where you're from, and I'll pick some to read as part of an episode. I'm really excited to try something new, so if you have anything you're dying to share, send it on over. All right, back to this ghostly murder story. Earlier in the evening, around 1030, Smith had gone down to the Black Lion Pub, still in existence, just spelled with an I instead of a Y, and he was throwing back some drinks. He stopped and spoke to the watchman, who called out the time, I believe, every half hour so that you knew what time it was, which kind of feels redundant. I feel like 
Anyway, Smith tells him, the watchman, that he's going to head out and look for the Hammersmith ghost and, quote, take him. The watchman agreed to meet up with Smith and hunt for the ghost together, just as soon as he called the hour of 11 p.m. And you're probably wondering who the hell the Hammersmith ghost is at this point. You see, the citizens of Hammersmith believe that this ghost was a man who had taken his own life by cutting his own throat. Disclaimer, gross details, which is hard to imagine in the first place such a gruesome act performed on yourself. I know that even now, in the year 2022, a lot of religions believe that the act of taking your own life prohibits you from entering heaven and that you lose the right to a church burial. This was a common belief in the 1800s, but this man who took his own life was supposedly buried in the church cemetery anyway. And this is the logic that was applied as to why he would now be haunting the streets of Hammersmith, scaring carriage drivers into abandoning their carriages full of passengers, and scaring passers-by while wandering St. Paul's churchyard, even physically assaulting a pregnant woman who ended up passing away following the assault. The story goes on that she was walking home, I believe taking a cut through through the cemetery, and the Hammersmith ghost jumped out at her and hugged her. The pregnant woman, he was just friendly, he was wishing her good luck and, you know, childbirth and all, as many didn't make it out of childbirth in the 1800s, and I don't know why I'm laughing while I say that, but anyway, the pregnant woman was said to have fainted, you know, like everybody did in the 1800s, I just see like that demure hand over their forehead and boom, they drop, right? But she fainted from fear and was found wandering later around the cemetery, kind of like disconnected, not really there, and she was taken home, led home by her neighbors, and she was laid down to rest, and she never woke up. Two days later, she died in bed, and another witness claimed to have seen someone after scaring the pregnant woman. He had seen someone throw a white tablecloth down and run from the scene. Another townsperson, Thomas Groom, claimed to have been going through the churchyard sometime between 8 and 9 p.m., when someone came from behind a tombstone and caught him by the throat with both hands and held him tightly. Fortunately, another servant traveling not too far ahead of Groom heard a commotion and turned around to ask what was going on. As the ghost twisted Groom around, Groom pushed off of him with his fist and felt something soft, like a greatcoat, or perhaps a sheet or tablecloth, suspicious and very odd. I've never heard of a ghost being soft to the touch. And as an aside, I love that he chose to punch the ghost. <laughs> Maybe he didn't really realize it was a ghost at first, but I have a great story about attempting to punch a spirit one time as well that I will be sure to tell on this podcast at some point. I digress. It's, it's not really the best logic, but I guess it really tells you what your fight or flight tells you or makes you react with in the moment. Mine is evidently fight. So the quote apparition, air quotes here, man, was wandering most of the roads through the area. And according to residents who were terrified, the ghost always seemed to know exactly which roads to avoid, which he couldn't have known if he weren't supernatural, right? Otherwise, he would have been caught so much more easily. I believe that's their angle there. Anyway, Smith wasn't the only vigilante on a crusade to take down the Hammersmith ghost. Men would go out in groups, all armed, looking to catch the ghost and put an end to the taunting and scaring of the residents just trying to go about from place to place. 
all they wanted to do was get from the Black Lion pub home, but they were being terrorized in the middle of their walk. The apparition was appearing every single night, and the townspeople had had enough. So it's really no surprise that they were coming out in droves to kind of do away with this with this ghost. Although, just as a side note here as well, I think it's it's funny almost, right, that they're going out to ghost hunt essentially, right? And it, I just get the Scooby-Doo vibes about this. Like they're ready to take him. And I'm not sure why that makes me kind of snicker a little bit, but they were all looking for this ghost. And I don't know what their plan really was to quote take him, but I feel like maybe they should have called like a church elder or something if they weren't sure what they were doing. I don't know what the understanding of the supernatural was here. This is after all post-witch trials, at least. Um, I'm sure they were still going on. But anyway, I digress as I start to ADHD wander down my own little bylane here. That particular night, knowing the watchman who had seen the ghost just a few days prior, he had seen him himself, would catch up with Smith, who went ahead to see if he could find the ghost. Meanwhile, Thomas Millwood, a bricklayer, arrived at his father's house in Hammersmith. Now, Thomas was in his early 20s, I believe, younger, but again, for the time, still quite an adult. And he had just been been to see me to, excuse me, he had just been to see his wife at another house of another townsperson, and it was getting kind of late. His wife would have been along home shortly, so to pass the time, he stopped in at his father's. I feel like this is really late for a stop-in, but I guess maybe not. I, I don't know. I, I feel like that's late. In my mind, back in the 1800s, people were in bed as soon as it got dark so they could be up really early. But wh- what does that even have to do with anything? So his mom and sister, anyway, were getting ready to head to bed. But after he got there, his sister, Anne, decided to sit up with him for a bit. She's a nice sister. Around 11, when she heard the watchman call the hour, she told her brother that he'd really better get back home and wait for his wife so that she wasn't coming home to an empty house and any danger associated traveling alone with the Hammers- with the Hammersmith ghost on the prowl. Thomas had just been mistaken as the ghost days before, as his bricklayer's uniform is all white. His mother-in-law begged him to wear a coat over his uniform to break up the white. And the passers-by who thought he was the ghost were truly scared by his appearance, and while Thomas was peeved at being asked if he were the ghost, it wouldn't stop others from possibly thinking the same. His response had been that he was no more a ghost than anyone in the group that was startled were ghosts and proceeded to ask the man inquiring if he wanted a punch in the face. I think he said no, he didn't want a punch in the face. Couldn't find that anywhere, but I'm assuming he did not ask for, indeed, yes, a punch to the face. And like I said, Millwood really sounds like a peach. Anyway, though, his sister Anne started imploring him to return home and in her testimony explains that he really wasn't paying her any mind until she insisted he get up and go home. Almost as soon as he left, Anne got up quickly from her chair and went to the door. She says there wasn't really a reason for going over there, just that she felt like she had to, and so she did. When she got to the door, she heard a voice bellowing, Damn you! Who are you or what are you? Damn you! I will shoot you! And then she heard a gunfire and saw the flash of the gun as well. She called for her brother and ran for her mother to tell her that her brother had been shot, and then her father, and no one believed her, so she ran out the door to him herself. Halfway from her father's house to her brother's house, 
she saw Thomas lying dead at the gate. She ran to who I'm assuming is a neighbor, Mrs. Wells, and saw Francis Smith with various other men coming to her brother's body as she got back. When Francis Smith had seen Thomas Millwood walking to his home in all white, he was absolutely paralyzed with fear. He couldn't see very clearly or very far because of the hedges that obstructed his view, but when he saw Millwood walking toward him, believing him to be the ghost of Hammersmith, he called out, asking Millwood to identify himself. And he wouldn't. Millwood wouldn't say who he was, and as the fear built within Smith as the situation continued, he asked him again to identify himself, twice now. And when he did not identify himself the second time, Smith drew his weapon and fired, landing a bullet in what he thought was the Hammersmith ghost, but was actually Thomas Millwood's jaw. Realizing what he had done, Smith turned himself in almost right away. He in fact ran back to the watchman, and he would have turned himself in sooner if he hadn't been told to go home and wait to be retrieved. While the time of the evening varies from source to source, Smith came to the watchman and told him what he had done. The watchman had heard gunshots, but had thought nothing of it as apparently hearing gunshots was fairly common for Hammersmith residents. Not sure why. Maybe they were playing gunshots or fireworks even back in the day, the town crier would say. Was it gunshots or was it fireworks? <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, a group of men, including Smith and the watchman, went back to where the shooting had taken place and sent for the high constable to come and inspect the scene that lay before them. While they waited for the constable to arrive, they also sent Smith back to his home to wait for them to come to him. According to witness testimony of the men who went with him back to Millwood's body, Smith had grown increasingly agitated, and I believe they just wanted to remove him from an already horrific situation, so they told him to go home. But before leaving, he explained to them that he had called out to Millwood more than once. Millwood had failed to respond, and filled with fear and convinced that Millwood was the Hammersmith ghost, Smith fired. He stated that he never would have pulled the trigger had he known it was anyone else other than the ghost, and he had no prior issues with Millwood. He really didn't know much at all. The witnesses agreed that Millwood had been wearing clothing that made him appear very similar to descriptions of the Hammersmith ghost, and they could understand how the misunderstanding would have occurred. A few of the men carried the deceased Millwood to the Black Lion Pub, the very location where so much of this plot had been thought up. Nothing better than drunken ideas, right? The town physician examined Millwood's body on the 6th of January and determined that the cause of death was absolutely a gunshot wound to the left side lower jaw. It was a smaller round and penetrated the vertebrae of the neck, injuring the spinal marrow. His jaw was broken and his face was blackened. The coroner's notes have certainly come a very long way in the last couple hundred years. The small group went to the residence of Francis Smith to, quote, collect him. It was said that as he saw them approaching, he came down almost immediately and confessed to killing Millwood and for mistaking him for the Hammersmith ghost. At trial, 12 witnesses showed up to Smith's defense to testify to his good character. The jury deliberated for a mere 45 minutes. And came and I, I don't know if that's like pretty typical for the time, but they deliberated for what seems like a very short amount of time to me, and they came back with a verdict of manslaughter. The Lord Chief Baron basically said, nope, 
He's either guilty of murder or he's not. You can't find him guilty of manslaughter because that's not the charge he's being tried for. And yada yada, if the court wants to cut him any slack, that's for the Crown to decide, not the jury. The jury went back to deliberate and found him guilty of murder, which carried a sentence of death. The Crown did reduce the sentence to one year of hard labor by royal pardon. So was it willful murder or not? That was the big question that loomed over that trial. And you'll never believe this, but the actual Hammersmith ghost was eventually caught. And I don't mean, I don't mean it was actually a ghost. I mean, it was very much Scooby-Doo style, where someone basically ripped the sheet from his head. John Graham, the real, quote, ghost, was the local shoemaker dressing up as a ghost with a, yes, white sheet over his body. How did he always escape? Well, he just simply took the sheet off his head and put it into a bag and then blended in with the others. Why would a grown man do this? I can almost relate to this. Because someone scared his children with ghost stories and they wouldn't sleep because of it. And because they weren't sleeping, he wasn't sleeping. As a parent here, I can kind of see seeking revenge on someone for this because no sleep is quite miserable. But I mean... A pregnant lady died because of his antics. And in case you're wondering, no, he was never punished for his actions, despite the terror that ensued because of them. And you know, it's funny too, because before finding out that he had been caught, there was no doubt in my mind that this was some asshole scaring people. But to hear that he <laughs> that he was doing it because his children were scared by someone else, I love it. And it doesn't even sound like it was because the kids were scared. It was more because he was he was struggling because of it. He was tired because his kids were tired. So despite the fact that, see, not much has changed from 1800s to 2022, where we know if if sleep is interrupted, we come up with terrible ideas and make horrific decisions. Despite the fact that the Hammersmith ghost was an absolute farce, the location where the group of men took Thomas Millwood's body is said to be haunted today. The pub sits on the north bank of the River Thames, famous for its annual Oxford and Cambridge boat race. It's located directly next to the Black Lion Lane and is still known as the Black Lion Pub, like I said, just spelled with an I instead of a Y, and it's said that the ghost of Thomas Millwood makes his presence very known. There's even a plaque outside of the pub that tells the story of the Hammersmith ghost and of Francis Smith. Previous owners, managers, and restaurant staff have heard floorboards creaking like they're being walked on when no one else is there, and patrons have heard their name whispered in their ear when no one was actually talking to them. Ghost tours stop by the pub, and people from all over the world come to catch a glimpse of the ghost of Thomas Millwood. A chef who used to live upstairs above the pub and work there as well claimed to have seen the ghost of Millwood every single night. Recent managers Jolanta and Tom Rosick told Express.co.uk that it had been a while since they've heard about the ghost, but that a friend of theirs had seen someone running past her in the hallway, though no one was there. Another previous landlord in the early 2000s spoke of the chef who saw Millwood and says he remembers the chef claiming to have heard his name being called all the time, even when he was alone. Millwood isn't the only one who stuck around in spirit form. According to the locals, the spirit of Francis Smith, the vigilante looking to kill a ghost, He died a pauper and a life of poverty and can be seen wandering the graveyard of St. Paul's Churchyard where he was buried after he passed away. In 1984, 180 years later, 
Smith received a royal pardon when it was decided that he had indeed acted in self-defense. And I can't say that I necessarily agree with that. Maybe he didn't intend to hurt a person, but his actions directly caused the death of another. And while it may have been far from intended, he still brandished a weapon at an unarmed person and shot and killed them. Truly, though, John Graham, the actual Hammersmith ghost, absolutely should have been brought up on murder charges. She says with the little legal background that she has, if the story about the pregnant woman is true, then he killed her and assaulted countless others. He was terrorizing residents. Are the stories of the Black Lion Pub and St. Paul's Church true? My hot take? Yes. I believe they are. I believe Smith and Millwood do actively visit these locations as their spirit form in, in the afterlife. I would love to get over to the Black Lion Pub myself someday and see if I feel anything there. I don't know that you'll catch me in a graveyard at night, though. I'm a little too chicken for that. Also... Why? Just It doesn't seem like a good idea. It feels like a horror movie waiting to be written. No, thank you. And with that, y'all, I want to remind you that if you have any of your own spooky stories or supernatural experiences, please send them to my Instagram direct messages or to Catherine Galvin at CatherineAnnIntuitive.com with your first name and where you're from. I cannot wait to read some of these stories in another episode. And do not forget, if someone messages you pretending to be me, It isn't me. You can book with me, but I'm not going to message you in a DM on any platform unless you make contact with me first. And even then, it usually takes me a couple of days to get back to people. So it's not me. Don't give me money or a cash app or anything other than directly on my website. Much love to all of you. Don't forget to be kind to others. And I'll be back next week with another episode of Murder and Mediumship. (laughs) 